welcome back to the 8th Position Podcast. This is going to be episode 2 of season 3, I believe. Uh, my name is Lawson Gardner. I am joined by co-host Darian Baldwin. Darian. Hello. What's going on? Uh, nothing much, just college. <laughs> just college? Yeah. We're yeah, in college, college now. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We sure are. Um, we are we made it. in college. Um, and we are in college. <laughs> as, as far as that's that's all there is there. <laughs> that's about that's about it as far as it goes. How's your um how your first few weeks been? They've honestly been really good. Um I've I've had a really good time, especially with the trombone studio. Uh the trombone studio at Columbus is very good. And like being in it, everybody usually talks very highly of it, but like being in it is it's awesome. I really enjoy it. I have a good time. Uh I hope everybody else is having a good time. They all seem like they do. Uh, so that's been great. And then Dr. Palmer obviously is seriously one of the best teachers out there. Like every time I walk in, he's just like, all right, you got this and this to work on. I'm like, cool. And he shows me how to work on it. And then I walk out and come back, hopefully ready to go for the next lesson. So it's been, it's been a really good time. I struggle with music skills, (laughs) so that's been fun, but, uh, that's a different topic. But other than that, yeah, I'm having, having fun. How about you, man? It's been a good time. I'm I'm staying really busy, um, you know, because I'm trying to keep up with schoolwork and everything. But, I mean, I'm in New York. I'm not going to be not going out to, you know, like sessions and clubs and shows and stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm going to Smalls a lot. For those that don't know, Smalls is a, it's a jazz club in the village. There's a jam session every night, and it usually opens up around 1230 in the morning and um, goes for a couple of hours. So... You know, and I've got 9 a.m.s every single day. So um, I'm going to Smalls a lot, getting back to my dorm around 3, 3.30, and then getting up for my 9 a.m. at 7.30, you know, because it's a 30-minute walk to school. Um, so not as much sleep as maybe one would hope for, but it's been busy and it's been worth it um, because I've, I've seen a lot of really great music since I've been here. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm very grateful to to finally be in New York after the years of wanting to be here. Having a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I will I will say uh, this is for the podcast. Uh, I'm glad you're having a good time. I'm also having a good time, so that's that's great. Uh, for the podcast, we we have a change from our first season. We may have been a little ambitious uh, in our planning. Uh, we did say we were going to do like a season of three where we had like three teachers, three jazz people, three uh, miscellaneous kind of people, and then three classical guys. But we're going to change that up because Lawson and I are pretty busy here in college, a lot busier than we thought we were going to be. So we are downsizing to nine episodes this season. So we'll only be doing nine interviews, but they should be should be rolling out weekly, no no week break in between or like two week break in between anything. I think last season we did like two yeah, or three weeks of break, a yeah. stop. Yeah. So none, none of that this season. We're just going to roll right through it and pump out nine great, fantastic interviews. Uh, we're, we're recording this intro a little late, I'll be honest. So but every every interview so far has been really great. So I'm getting more and more excited for the uh for this season and podcasts because I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm so excited. But uh, speaking of this episode, let's uh, we're we're gonna pull in a guy from San Diego. He's based in San Diego, but has played in multiple areas. He subs in a lot of different groups in San Diego. Uh, he runs Trombone 101, which is a really cool online little little tool for everybody. Wow. I recommend everybody go check that out. Uh, he he also com- uh, not composes, but writes books. So they have they have a bunch of trombone exercises in them a lot of different tips and stuff and he he writes words in there too by the way the words in books are really important like has anyone read the beginning of an arbin you would be surprised anyways and then uh he's also part of the nittany trombone quartet and owns a priming teaching studio he he pretty much does everything let's just welcome to the show mr sean roish Mr. Sean Royce, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. We are fantastic. Yeah. This Good. is uh, this is one I've been really looking forward to. Um, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. Well, uh, we always get started with like talking about uh, the early life and how you kind of got into music, maybe in like middle school. Some people started in elementary school. I don't know. I don't know what your early life was like. So how? Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I was really fortunate to grow up in a musical family. You know, my dad actually was a trombone player, and my grandpa was a trombone player. So I'm a I'm a third oh. generation trombonist. Okay. Yeah, nice. it's genetic. My right arm was longer than my left. <laughs> but um, and my my parent and my mom actually w- was a pianist and an organist. And so um, I think the greatest thing, I just listened to music constantly growing up. We always had it on, you know, the stereo and the radio. And um, so I started on piano for a little bit. And um, and then in fifth grade, I chose to play trombone. Um, and so I, I loved playing in everything. So I, you know, whether it was band or jazz band or orchestra, whatever I could play in, I, I did. And, um, and then, you know, I senior year in high school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I was pretty sure I was going to go into something in science. Like, you know, I had applied to college for marine biology and pharmacy, okay. I, you know, um, yeah. psychology. And I ended up, I fell in love visiting Penn State University and, um, I got a letter from the trombone teacher, Mark Lusk, who, who had just started teaching the year before I applied. And he saw that I'd gotten into all state honor band. Um, I grew up in, in New Jersey. And so he reached out to me and said, would you be interested in coming up for like a lesson slash audition? And I never even entertained doing music. Um, I, I had no idea. I, I was, really lucky I took lessons with um, Tom Hutchinson senior through high school and we never really talked about majoring in music or you know it was just always such a fun thing for me so I ended up I played for for Mark and and I ended up getting into Penn State as a music major and um, he was really amazing but I just 
wasn't really ready because I had no idea how to practice. Um, I had, you know, just different things that I was really deficient in and it was pretty intimidating. I, I don't even know how long I lasted. I think I lasted like three weeks and I ended up switching out to psychology. So I ended up getting a, a psych degree for my undergraduate, which I joke is, is probably the most useful hmm. degree to be a music or a, a musician. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about that, actually. Uh, so you started started uh, as, like, music performance, or was it music ed in college before? The- I did music performance. Performance, okay. Yeah. A big switch happened to psychology, which right. you went and got your bachelor's for. Right. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> and, and I ended up, um, I did get a minor in music. So I, I studied with Mark the entire time. And, um, you know, and, and what was really cool, Mark would, you know, they have auditions every semester and he didn't care if you were a major or a non-major, he put whoever scored, you know, the best in these auditions in different ensembles. So I got to play in, in, you know, all the different groups still. And I was part of the trombone choir and, you know, it, it was pretty amazing. And then I, I was super fortunate to to join the Nittany Trombone Quartet. And, you know, I know one of the people you interviewed was Matt Neff. Yeah. Um, So we got to play, um, you know, all four years together. And that that was totally so impactful. Yeah. I was going to ask if you you went to to UPenn, or not UPenn. um, Yeah, to Penn State at the same time as him. Yeah. Yep. We were there the entire time together. So that's awesome. You know, yeah, it was... You know, Matt and, and Bruce and John all are terrific players and just amazing people. So that had a, a huge impact on, on you know, my life just in general, but especially my, my trombone, you know, music making and teaching. Um, that was that was pretty amazing. So yeah. that's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Everything's finally connecting a little bit. It's about time. But, um, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, so you, did you guys start that, uh, trombone quartet, like while in college and then just like keep, keep it going until today even? Yeah. Um, that was one of the things Mark was pretty insistent about is that everybody had to be in a chamber group. And, um, you know, if, if anybody like a younger players out there, I can't recommend enough forming your own group, you know, whether it's like duets, trios, quartets, if you're in a brass quintet, Mm Mm-hmm. Chamber music, I think, is is one of the most important things to really grow as a musician. So, yeah, Mark had everybody in the studio join a quartet. And so we, I mean, I, the first rehearsal was just so unbelievable. We loved it. And we got together, I mean, multiple times a week to practice. And um, it was it was kind of like a, you know, a laboratory just to try different things out. And, you know, we we would do stuff like memorize things and play in the dark and we'd work on tuning or we'd, we would sing together. We'd work on phrasing and, you know, we, we started entering different competitions and we, we did well. And, and, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is it was so much fun, um, sometimes too much fun, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah. And then we, we try to get together every year. So this, this past year, we actually just played uh, recital at, um, on the trombone day at University of Delaware, and then we also did a recital at oh. Penn State University. 
So and nice. we're planning a, a we have one CD we recorded a Christmas album and we're we're hopefully in the next year or so going to record another album. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's sure is fun. I mean, the, those guys are just family. So to to get to hang out together and, and play, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, take us through your your other degrees. I know you have a master's from Manhattan, right? Yeah. Um, my senior year at Penn State, I was hoping to go to uh, grad school for psychology, actually. And at the time, you know, when I was 21, I was hoping to make money. And, you know, I was thinking I would have my own practice and be a child psychologist. And I'll never forget, I, I had called home and I talked to my mom and she said, what are you going to do next year? And and I told her what I was planning. And she said, do you really love that? And I was like, yeah. I don't know, just, it'll make a lot of money, you know? And, and she said, you know, you should follow your heart. And finally, I think I was really ready for music. And so I just decided, I, I looked around and the school I really wanted was Manhattan School of Music. And, uh, you know, foolishly, I only applied at Manhattan, no other places, which is in retrospect, pretty, pretty dumb, but <laughs> I, um, I was really fortunate to get in and, and I got to study with Hal Jenks, who was the mm. bass trombonist in the Metropolitan yeah, Opera, yeah. who just yeah. passed actually a, a couple of weeks ago. So, oh no, yeah. No, no, no. So Hal Hal was an absolute angel, and I couldn't have lucked out with a better teacher for me. He, you know, a friend, mentor, um, just tremendous musician, and and especially as a person. So I was really lucky and. And then I, you know, it was such a cool place because, you know, I took some lessons with Joe Alessi and um, a bunch of lessons with Dave Finlayson. Yeah. I've never heard of Joe Alessi before. <laughs> That's a new name for me. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing time there, you know, in New York to, you know, I get to work with Dave Taylor and, you know, yeah. just, wow. it was, it was pretty special. So I did my master's there and then, um, I met my future wife my final year in school there, and she's from San Diego. And so I, I came out to meet her family and just realized I was a West Coaster trapped in the East Coast body. I just loved it mm. here. And um, <laughs> we stayed in New York for one year, and I was freelancing, and, and we were getting work, and it was starting to pick up. But we just thought about, you know, we knew we were going to get married, and we thought a lot about our quality of life and we wanted to have a family. And, and so we ended up, we just moved to California with nothing set up here. I mean, just basically we, uh, we decided that's where we wanted to be. Wow. All right. So we, uh, we moved out and, um, we, the first week we were here, we got called to, to play with this, orchestra they were going to do west side story um for you know the show and so they needed a concert master my wife is a fabulous violinist and they needed a first trombone so we both got to play in this pit and it was amazing how i just met you know one of the trumpet players asked if i was available to do some playing with this salsa band he said have you played salsa before and i was like oh yeah and i hadn't but you know i just <laughs> I just wanted to get work. So um, that same week, I, I got to do some recording sessions with this band. And 
you know, and then I started playing with this group a couple times a week. And, you know, it just, it was amazing how things kind of just branched out. And I ended up um, at intermission in one of the shows, three band directors came down and, and said, who are you? Cause they didn't recognize me. And, and, you know, they said, do you like to teach? And I said, yeah, I love to teach. And they said, you know, would you do our band camps? Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, it was a week long marching band camps. So, mm-hmm. so you get to, you know, coach the trombones and, so I, I said, I'd love to. And so I did that. And then students came up and said, hey, do you do private lessons? You know, and so I said, yeah. And so, you know, things just kind of snowballed. You know, we, we auditioned for the San Diego Symphony sublist. And um, I started doing a bunch of different chamber groups here. There, at the time, there were actually like four brass quintets in San Diego. So I started playing with, with all of them, just subbing on, on different things. And um and then we ended up, I, I thought that I'd like to teach college. And so I, my wife and I ended up going to UCLA for, for our doctorates. And, um, I, I was really incredibly lucky to get to study with Bill Booth there. Who's, who's a just amazing trombone player and, and teacher in person. And, um, so we both got to everything except our dissertation and just life got so busy. And then I realized I didn't just want to move anywhere and be a professor. You know, I just loved what I was doing and where I was. So I, I just didn't finish my degree. Hmm. Um, but you know, just to get to study with Bill was, was tremendous opportunity. (laughs) So, and I've taught at a number of different colleges in San Diego. And currently I, I teach, I have, a private studio. And I, I really love that because I, I can choose who I get to work with and my schedule is really flexible. So when I freelance and, you know, I can change things around. And um, so it, it's been kind of an ideal thing for me. That's awesome. Yeah. So with that, uh, you've, you've had like a wild history of performing and a great history of teaching as well. Do you consider yourself like a freelancer or more of a teacher or are you just kind of like a whole package for you? You know, I, I would probably say teacher first and foremost, cause I, I just love that so much. Um, and I, I do love to freelance. I mean, I, I think I doing less now of freelancing just cause I just don't feel like driving so much. I used to drive all over like in LA and, you know, and all over San Diego. And, um, you know, I have, I have a family and I want to be around my kids as much as I can and my wife. And so, um, you know, I still, I, I mean, I love to play, but I definitely don't do as much of that as, you know, as I used to. So I do still freelance and I, I, I would consider both. Um, but, you know, I love to do master classes, and I also I love to, you know, just be creative. I've been, you know, writing different books or different exercises, or you know, making videos, and you know, I have such a to do list of things that I would love to do, and it's just trying to get all of it is that's the challenge of found, finding balance to uh, to be able to do it all, you know. Mm. And we'll circle back to your books here in a little bit. Um, but I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear about your, your teaching philosophy. Um, 
like I mean from your experience as a private professor and also with uh, like actual professorships with universities I mean how would how would you approach fostering a good student teacher relationship and and what's what's your general philosophy when it comes to pedagogy well I I love to be friends with my students Um, I think it's really important to have respect on both sides you know what I mean if you expect your students to respect you I think we need to be respectful of them and um, I, I think one of the most important things for a relationship is, is trust and honesty, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I also believe in, in, you know, I, I was very fortunate now I can say this to be blessed with so many different plane issues. And I was so frustrated, um, you know, with different aspects of playing, like being able to tongue fast or, um, high range or endurance or, you know, things like that, that sometimes I think I was kind of a late bloomer, you know, and, um, but because of that, I think I can be a really effective teacher and I can also be empathetic to students because I understand what it's like to be frustrated and not get something immediately, you know? And, um, so, you know, I want my students to be honest with me. I always start the lesson and I'll say, how are you? How was your week? And then the second question is like, how was your practicing? And, and, you know, I want students to say, you know what, I didn't really get a lot of practicing in or, you know, I had family visiting or I want them to be honest and we could still have a great lesson, you know, but I also, to me, I want them to know I'm being honest. I, I love to teach through positive and I think it's important to reinforce good things. So when, when somebody plays for me, I like to start with what I think they're doing well. And then I think that that leads to people being a little more receptive to when you say, okay, now let's work on what you could do differently, Hmm. you know, and, but my philosophy with with teaching, I I want my students to be their own teachers ultimately. And so I like to give my students, I I joke, but this toolbox with tons of different tools. So when they break down, they know how to fix the problem, you know, and we all break down, we all have issues and it's just having different tools and then, um, and learning concepts, you know, and, and I want it to be fun, as, as fun as you can make it, you know, because I just think if, if it's fun, you're going to look forward to doing it. And, you, you know, if you dread it, you're, it's just so hard to get your trombone out and practice, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, ultimately, I just I try to share my passion with my students. And, and I think the final thing is I just think I love to, to share life lessons through music, you know? So you, you're, it, it's amazing when you can learn it, a life lesson through whatever you're, you're doing. But I think music is probably the, the most incredible thing to share, you know, all these different life lessons. It, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. So that's, I think my philosophy with, with teaching. So, I mean, how has your, how has your degree in, uh, psychology kind of influenced, you know, that side of your musicianship? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, learning about how your brain works and how we learn and, you know, creating like the neural pathways for whatever it is you want to do. And, and, you know, that has been so incredible, um, and, you know, another thing like with psychology that I think is, is so fascinating, it's one of the reasons I love teaching is everybody learns differently. 
you know, everybody's unique. And, and part of my thing that I love is when I'm teaching is I try to figure out how every student learns, whether it's tactile or oral, like, you know, they can listen, hear something or some people, you can explain it to them and they, the light bulb goes off. And most people, you know, are multiple learners. They don't just learn one way, but, um, and that's one of the things I love with teaching is it's kind of like being a scientist and just figuring out many different ways to, to teach the same thing. You know, just, I get frustrated when I think you see students that work with a teacher where the teacher says you have to do it this way Hmm. and the students can't do it that way for whatever reason. And they end up feeling bad. Like, you know, they question themselves, like maybe I shouldn't be in music or maybe, you know, and to me, a master teacher should be able to explain it many ways, you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and just encourage you to try different ways. I just, I don't like the one size fits all teaching. I, I think that's, not a good way to, you know, we're going to have a lot of people quit music, you know, and I don't mean that just as a music major. I mean that for, especially with young people, um, you know, I just think the more we can be encouraging and and try to share different ways, you're going to have so many more people loving music and appreciating it. And, you know, then you're creating future audiences. So, but I, you know, one person that, that I really love now, I don't know if you guys ever check out, is um, Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's got an incredible podcast. Um, hmm. He's a neuroscientist. He teaches at Stanford. And he has just the most incredible podcast with all different kinds of things, but learning. And um, I definitely recommend people to check check him out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking for new stuff like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, let's talk. Right coming up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to Arkansas next week. I just wanted to quickly make the connection here, but during the well, you were talking about your philosophies, like starting with like what what was great with their playing first, when like talking about the students, and then uh, also just being open to like multiple ways of solving things. I'm seeing a correlation here with another like great teacher, uh, Dr. Palmer. He was. He was here last season and he like he also said a lot of those similar things and then it seems like those kinds of things leads to like a really great student teacher relationship and a great teacher quite frankly so i just thought that was i thought that was cool <laughs> well I, I i brad is is i mean he's so amazing and that that was such a great interview if if people haven't heard that you know Thank i I think the world of him and I thought all the, the questions you asked, it was, it was great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, ultimately I think it's about relationships, right? I mean, just like anything and you know, it's funny as a musician, I think we spend so much time locked in a practice room, you know, shedding things on our instrument, but I think it's so important to work on interpersonal relationships and how you relate to people and, you know, you could be the greatest player in the world, but if people don't like you or you, you know, they don't have a great time hanging out, you're probably not going to get hired. They'd rather have somebody who's a good player, who's, you know, just a, a kind person and nice, you know? So I, I think it is really important to, to not be locked away, but to experience life and, you know, uh, I don't know that I think that's another thing with psychology. You look at 
musicians, I think a lot of musicians are very unhealthy with, um, you know, just mental aspects of, of things like we're really critical of ourselves and hard on ourselves. And I think it's, I've worked super hard. I was so mean for myself and I thought that was great. Like I, if I was dark and push myself, I would do better, you know, but, um, you know, I, I really try to be way more objective and not personal when something doesn't sound great. It's, it's not like I'm a, a, a jerk, <laughs> you know, mm. it's more of just that, you know, I need to, to work on these things, but it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, you know? And I think I wish we had more of these talks and that I, I try to talk a lot about this with my students, you know, even word choices when you practice, you know, I had a student yesterday that used the word like I should, or I need, and I just try to point those things out and say, you know, those are guilting words. And, you know, I like to say I will or I am. Like I will practice today. I am going to practice rather than I should practice because I think a lot of people just don't, you know. Um, so I, I think even monitoring, like my students aren't allowed to say the word hard. I like the word challenging because mm. with a challenge, I think you can overcome it. If you think something's hard, then it's hard. You know, you are what you think. So the, the brain is so incredible. If, if you think I can do this, you know, another word, I, I don't like, I can't, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, it, and these little things, I think they really add up. They mean a lot when, when you're aware of them, you know, and that's, that's the thing. I think awareness is everything. If you're unaware of how you sound, that's why I like, I think recording yourself is probably the greatest teaching tool there is, you know, it's humbling. Mm -hmm. And that's where practicing being kind to yourself once you hear it <laughs> is, is really beneficial. Yeah. You know, it does humble you. <laughs> well, and isn't it easy just to dismiss it and be like, oh, that sucked? But, you know, I, I like to encourage my yeah. students to say, well, pick one thing that you did well. And sometimes that's hard, you know, but it might be as simple as, oh, I took a really great breath and made my entrance cleanly. And it's like, well, great. What could we do better? You know, and, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I think, again, that can be overwhelming. I used to list, I would record myself and list like 17 things that were awful. And, you know, that's just overwhelming. You, you, you'll you shut down and, and feel bad about yourself. So I, I encourage people, just pick one thing and make one thing better. You know, I call it the 1% rule with my students. And every time they practice, I want them to get at least 1% better. And I think that takes the pressure off. You know, if, if you do 1% better every day in a hundred days, you've improved a hundred percent, you know, what business wouldn't take that, you know, that improvement hmm. or that much profit, you know, and it, it, it's easy to do rather than trying to do a hundred percent in one practice session, you know? And it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's this phrase that's been on my mind a lot recently and I heard it, um, first in context like relating to to mental health but i think that it um is really applicable to practice as well and the phrase is um putting someone else in your shoes yeah so um like if you were to record yourself or listen back to it um because like you said we have a tendency to be overly critical or overly harsh with ourselves um but if we were to approach it the same way we would approach hearing a recording of like a colleague or a friend um, we may be more predisposed to picking out strengths um, and a little more kind about, uh, you know, things that, that could be improved. Um, yeah. 
So that that's you know, that's kind of been going around in my mind a lot lately. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a a really great point. I I worked with a um, hypnotherapist when I was taking some auditions to you know just to to play my best. And the very first time I met with her, she she struck me as very very nice and kind of naive, almost like if you imagine like a young Sunday school teacher, you know, and um, she asked me, she said, you know, what, what kind of things go in your mind mentally when you're really hard on yourself? And I, and I said, you know, I was embarrassed to say it to her because it was like, you know, I was a sailor at sea for 20 years, you know, some of the, the cuss words I used and to describe <laughs> myself. And, and she was like, oh, I've heard everything. Just tell me, tell me exactly what you say to yourself. And I, and I told her, and she said, do you like to teach? I said, I love to teach. And she said, would you ever say that to your, any of your students? And I, I was like, of course not. And she said, well, why would you say it to yourself then? You're more important, you know, or just as important. And I, I never even thought of it that way, you know. Yeah. And that was, that was really life-changing for me because I started becoming more of an ally to myself than this harsh judge, you know. And, and when I made that change... My playing became not only better, but it just was so much more enjoyable. You know, it was it was fun, and and I became a lot more fearless. Like I was, I was willing to take more chances and screw up because I knew that didn't define me. You know, and I could just keep trying. You know, to get better. So, Man, you know, awesome. <laughs> one of the things too that I I really try to start stress with my students besides you know the fearless aspect is don't be afraid of mistakes because we all screw up and the important thing is we want to learn from them and so I love the phrase practice makes permanent not practice makes perfect because there is no such thing as perfect in the arts right and so I another thing with psychology is I just I loved the idea of forming habits you know, and, and habits are amazing if they're good, but they also can be really problematic if they're bad. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, and that's where yesterday I had a student say he just has a real struggle with motivation. And I said, you know, there's going to be a lot of times you're just not motivated to do something. But when it becomes a habit, you just do it, even if you're not motivated, you know. And so that that's one of the things I focus a lot on my students is just agreeing like I'm just going to do this for maybe two weeks, you know, I heard so many, there's so much different data says 66 days to, to form a habit. I've heard other two weeks or, you know, and I just, I just think it's kind of like going to the gym and just biting the bullet and saying, I'm going to just do this. Even if I'm tired or I don't feel well, I'm, you know, and I think the hardest thing is like just to get your trombone out of the case sometimes. And then once you do, it's, it's easy to practice or to play, you know, it's, um, so I just think creating good habits like that is, is really important too when, when you're working with your students or yourself, you know? That's actually yeah. why I leave my trombones out on my stand. So oh, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always have mine right here. Um, so I can just pick it up and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one less step, right? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, I mean, let's, let's hear about your books. Um, what is the Trombone Essentials and Daily Routine Songbook? Yeah, I um, I first wrote Trombone Essentials. It was basically, um, well, you know how I said every student's different? I really like to, it's almost like you're a doctor, and when you teach, I like to just write 
a specific prescription for what's ailing them rather than just have them blindly go through different things, you know, um, you know, one of the things I have an inventory sheet, I give my students that where it, I say, you know, what do you think are your strengths of, you know, in your plane and, and what kinds of things would you like to get better at? And we tear the sheet in half and we throw the strengths away and we really go, we design like a routine around what they want to get better at. Because I personally, I, 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 but I base so much of my teaching off my, my own, you know, history and I tended to practice all the things I sounded good on and I could do well. That was fun to practice. And I kind of was like an ostrich in, with my head in the sand for all the things I wasn't very good at. Hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's a little humbling at first when, when kids go, you know, I'm not good at high range or I'm not good at double tonguing or, you know, and so we immediately start designing things to work on that. So trombone essentials was just all these things I just saved of exercises I wrote. Um, it's basically just a book of, of really fundamental things. And I, I don't like the word fundamentals because I feel like that's so kind of boring and banal, like very ordinary. But to me, like trombone essentials, these are essential things. If you can do these things, it'll allow you to play thousands of pieces of music, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm a real big proponent of you know, just working on playing with a really beautiful sound and playing really in tune and playing with great time and, you know, and giving exercises that help reinforce those. So, you know, it, it's a lot of just really basic things, long tones, lip slurs, tonguing, scalar things, you know, I, I and so I, I just put that together and I thought it, it would be a great book for students, but I also thought it'd be a great book for teachers, just you know, like if you were a private teacher, you'd have this book of exercises that you could draw upon for your students, you know, and, um, and then the daily routine songbook, um, it was funny. I, I was working with, uh, I was teaching lessons in a band room after school and this band director and I had a talk and he was saying how he thinks like the key of B major is really tough for brass players. And I said, I, I completely disagree. And I said, all keys are easy. It's just some keys, you know, it's just, you're not familiar with them. So they're, they're a little more challenging at first, but that I believe all keys are easy. And he said, well, I disagree. I said, well, I'll show you something. I have an idea. So I had this beginning trombone student of his come in for his lesson. And I wrote out, Mary had a little lamb in the key of B flat. And I asked him to play it and he did it probably by the second time going through it, he could do it perfectly. And then I wrote this, Mary had a little lamb and a half step up in the key of B major. And I explained what, you know, the sharps were, he, he'd never seen it before, but I just believed if you can hear it, you can play it, you know? And, and I said, just let your ear guide you. And I think he did it like three times in a row. And the fourth time he played it perfectly. And the band director was blown away, you know, just, he couldn't believe that. And, and so I never say to a student, something's hard, but especially with scales, I just say it's, it's unfamiliar. And I love to teach scales with my students. They're not allowed to play it until they can say it. So they just practice singing the notes with the note names. So they're working on the pitch and the, you know, and the putting the slide position in the right spot. And, um, 
And so they get such confidence. And then what I do is I'll have them, when they're working on a scale, they'll, they'll sing a note name and then they'll play it and then they'll sing the next one. So again, practice makes permanent. They're learning it correctly from the beginning. And then, then once they can do that, then I have them sing two note names and they play it. And if they can do that, then they do three. And then eventually they do the whole scale. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I have a kid, he's just going into sixth grade and he just played all 12 major scales for me last week. And he's on the minors, you know, as a, as a sixth grader. And, wow. and, and a lot of people I think go, wow, that's incredible. But it's just a natural thing. I, I don't think it's hard. I just think it's how we practice it. You know, I practice scales. I call it caveman practicing where you just bash your head and you keep going over and over and over and you just play it with a ton of mistakes. Well, practice makes permanent. Then you're going to learn it with, you know, a bunch of mistakes. So anyway, the, the idea for the daily routine songbook, it came out through that. And I had lunch with David Vining. He was in San Diego doing some master classes. And I, I told him that story and he said, you know, you should write a book with this. And, you know, so, you know, we just kind of spitballed some ideas. He had some really great ideas. And he said, what if you worked on like seven different techniques for trombone? So like tonguing or range or legato or, you know, rhythms or different things like that. So I, I just picked, I think it was 41 tunes and, you know, we covered all 12 keys. It's basically seven days with seven different things that you're working on. And, and this book, you know, it could take two years to go through. It's not like you're going to go through it in seven days, but, um, I, I love teaching all ages, but I especially love younger students because I feel like I have the most impact on them. And so, um, you know, I, I also, well, I'm excited because I feel like, especially the last few years, you know, David Vining and, and Brad Edwards and, and there's a lot of people are, are putting out some really great things for younger players. And I would just, I'm a huge proponent of trying to get more stuff for them, you know, and, and just have things that are not just like whole notes, but learning to play melodies and, and, you know, and covering quite a bit of range, you know, that same student that, that can play all 12 major scales just hit a high B flat, like a, you know, above the staff high B flat as a sixth grader. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't sound great, but the fact that he's hitting it is unbelievable. You know, it's, it's, um, and it's just because he's fearless and I'm like, that's great. Let's try this now, you know? And, and so it's more fun and, and he's got this giant safety net where he doesn't care, you know? So it's exciting. I love you know, where I think the trombone world is headed, it's, it's a really bright future. There's so many, um, you know, amazing young players. And I also, I love all styles of music. You know, I, I, I think in today's day and age, it's so important to be a chameleon and, and, um, you don't necessarily have to be great in every style, but I think just being competent, like you should be able to swing and maybe you don't have to be the greatest improviser, but I think even just being able to play over a blues, you know, like a, a solo over that is, is great. And, you know, uh, one of the things I, I try to do with my students is just get them to listen as much as possible. And, 
that's one of the things besides recording themselves, I think because it's so easy, a lot of my students at least don't, but I, I think there's just so many recordings now that they end up not listening to anything, you know? So I've been trying to do stuff, you know, I have like a, a desert island list that before you graduate high school, you should have listened to these pieces. And it's like, you know, listening to Rhapsody in Blue from George Gershwin or, you know, yeah. Mahler's Fifth Symphony or, you know, just these really oh, incredible pieces. Um, and, and it's neat. Every student that I have that's, that does it is... I think they, they get addicted to it. They're just like, Oh my gosh, this is so incredible, you know? And, um, that's the other thing I think with teaching young students in a way, it, it feels like I get to create their whole musical world when, you know, I'll bring up a composer and they're like, Oh, I've never heard of Leonard Bernstein. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, <laughs> check this out. You know? Um, and I, I guess that's another philosophy to me with teaching is never assume somebody knows something, you know? So I, I love to just share different things and, and I don't mean it to be, you know, I'm not condescending. It's just more of don't assume that they know it. Cause a lot of kids don't, you would assume you'd know Leonard Bernstein, but you know, you can't because I think a lot of kids don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to break down a lot of that and steal it for when I start teaching lessons. <laughs> that was really great. Um, so uh, trombone 101 in general, I, well, I looked it up and there's like, there's a lot of stuff going on through on here on the website and everything. I would kind of, I kind of want you to talk about it a little bit if you're okay doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I know I had that idea for a long time. It was just kind of stuff that I was accumulating for my students. I wanted to have a place for younger players, especially it's for anybody though. I mean, but, but younger players where you could go to one spot and, and have just a treasure trove of, you know, different things that they could just kind of go down the rabbit hole and, you know, and, and experience trombone wise, you know, cause sometimes I think it's overwhelming. You don't know where to go. And, you know, um, and I know with teaching too, I look at it like I'm a farmer and I'm planting seeds and you just never know what's going to grow. You know, a lot of seeds end up never growing, but it's incredible like how just one thing sparks something in a student and it changes their life. Uh, and I've had that happen so many times. Um, I, it's amazing to me how powerful a teacher can be in, in the life of somebody. And I have students, you know, like 20 years later, write And say, Oh my God, I'll never forget this lesson when you said this to me. And it, it was the perfect thing I needed to hear. And I don't even remember what I said, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you put out this, this, you know, you're just throwing these little kernels of truth out or, or amazing you know, whether it's a video or a piece or something. And, and, you know, I, I think it can have such an impact on somebody and then they go down that rabbit hole with, with the trombone. And so that was kind of my idea is to have something in a place where, um, you know, anybody could go and, and check it out. And I also, I, I love, I mean, I love to teach and I love going to master classes and I love 
listening to other teachers, you know, I constantly on online. I mean, that's one of the things I think so important is we should all strive to keep learning, you know, and never ever think that you know everything. And so I feel like I'm way better teacher now just because there's so many incredible things out there, you know, and, and not, not just music. I, I mean, I love to um, go on all different kinds of pedagogy sites and, you know, there's, there's so many incredible things that we can all just borrow and, and put it in our own studio. Like what you just said, you know, that if you want to steal something or, uh, you know, I just think, the more we work on refining and, and bettering it and, um, you know, and, and ultimately, at least with teaching to me, it's about the students, not about me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think to me, those are the most effective teachers. You know, when you hear Bradley Palmer talk, he's totally about his students. And when you hear the Columbus State Trombone Choir play, it's absolutely, I mean, they sound like a really fantastic professional group because, you know, I think Brad just puts so much into his students and it, it's not about him, you know, and so, um, so anyway, that's, I have so much stuff that I want to add to Trombone 101 and, you know, I, I, I had actually two other books. One is called, um, Songs in All Keys and I, I just put those 41 songs in all 12 keys, um, for students just when with my students when I give them say they're going to work on the key of E flat major then I'll assign them some different songs in the key of E flat so they have to be able to kind of function in that key so it, it's not enough just to play an E flat scale and arpeggio but you know they'll do it in thirds or they'll do it with intervals or they'll do E flat chromatic you know but then I try to give them melodies you know that that's one of the I think the most important things for trombone is at a young age is to teach to play songs, you know, because our music is so bad in you know when we first start where we have either rests or whole notes, you know, and 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 so I just think that's really detrimental and and to get somebody to learn how to phrase and and to relate notes to one another, um, you know. First of all, I think that's so much more fun and interesting, but it's also, mm-hmm. I think musically it develops people so much faster. Yeah. Uh, one more cool thing on the Trombone 101, I noticed the artist corner, well, in artist corner, I should say, and you just have like a whole list of different artists here. There's, there's a lot of previous guests I see uh, from our podcast and everything and maybe maybe some future ones too but there's just a long list of great musicians great trombonists and not even only trombonists like there's french horn players trumpet players tuba players is this just like kind of like an exposure thing or just like here's this person go read about them go listen to them yeah you know that's a great question i i started um that just because I think part of me de- would love to do a podcast sometime. I love hanging out and talking with people and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and hearing, you know, why somebody is the way they are, like trying to figure out how they become that person. And it's so cool how everybody's so unique and really is special. Everybody has something to offer and, and we all take different paths. And I guess selfishly, I love just learning 
you know, when I read through these interviews, they have some just incredible nuggets of wisdom. I've learned so much from just, you know, from this. And I thought it'd be so cool to share that with people um, and just to get to know somebody, just maybe a different vantage point. Um, what I do is I, I send a list of a lot of questions and, and people get to choose which ones they'd like to answer. So, you know, I think it's more tailored, like it's personal and I'll ask specific questions also for a specific person. You know, it's not just like a blanket thing. Um, but yeah, I just thought it, again, it's a really great way to learn. And, and also I would love to promote people because I think there's so many great teachers and players that sometimes they, they don't get the notoriety, you know, and, and I would say that's a thing I really love with your podcast is you've had some people on who I, I'm not familiar with and they just, their interviews really blow me away where you just go, wow, you know, how, how are these people not way more, you know, and I think some people just don't care about that. You know, they, they do things just because they love doing it and they're not, you know, they're not trying to promote themselves so much or, you know, that's part of why we started it too, just to yeah. well, learn about everybody's stories, regardless of if they're like super popular or like lesser known. Either way, everybody's got like a really interesting story and they've all got really great wisdom. And sometimes like the people you least expect just have like the best piece of advice you can roll with for a pretty long time. So right. It's, it's been really great. And that's kind of how I feel about um, – and one of our first interviews we had on the podcast was with um, with Andrew Shelton, and um, he was one of my first teachers. And, um, I mean, never really did much that I know of outside of the Asheville area. I mean, he's teaching English now um, at a high school and just kind of is an adjudicator at some different, like, band competitions and stuff. But, I mean, below the surface, I mean, he – is the winner of the Weehee competition ITF in I think 2010 don't don't quote me on that I could be completely wrong <laughs> probably am um you know and has like has all these great experiences with you know, going around the country and, and meeting these different pedagogues and having these different experiences and you would never guess that um you know so I mean I that's why I wanted to interview someone like him it's like he does not have the spotlight that a lot of people do but definitely has some great stuff to share and he's also just a funny guy you know so right that's that's why i love doing this really yeah <laughs> sorry oh, didn't well, make it, that oh. about me <laughs> no no i i i mean i think it's so great what you guys do and Thank you know it, it's i just think the more we can all share with each other it it just makes things so much better you know mm-hmm. sure absolutely well uh I think we really only have time for two more questions, so we'll we'll ask the the big two that we always tend to ask during these interviews. I'm sure you might be familiar with them now. Uh, but the first one: What are your hobbies and such outside of music? Like stepping away from the trombone, what kind of what kind of things do you like to do? Well, I I love spending time with my wife and kids, um, and we. You know, we love to, to go to the beach. We, uh, you know, being in San Diego, we I live about three miles, I think, from the ocean. So oh, wow. it's, oh, it's nice. not a big deal just to, yeah. you know, just pop over. And um, so I I love to cook and I love entertaining, like having friends over. And I'm a huge gardener. One of my goals, we we have a, a property 
I kind of live out in the boonies, even though it's in San Diego, but I live off of a dirt road in the woods and we have uh, five acres. So we're creating a, a farm. And one of my goals is to, to be able to basically just have most of our food, just grow it, you know, from fruit trees and, that is awesome. and gardening. So um, we do that a lot as a family. Excuse me? I said in all of all places in San Diego, that's that's crazy to me. Sorry, that's awesome. Yeah, we're amazing. I mean, it's amazing that the weather here is is nice most of the time, you know. So it's it's in <laughs> yeah. the 70s, so we can grow a lot of different things year round, which is great. And um, you know, I I it's just amazing to to do this with my kids, like planting seeds and watching plants come up. And I think so many people are disconnected from from food and you know like we just think it's just at a supermarket but when you you actually grow it and you taste stuff fresh from the garden it it's hard to beat that you know so um but i i love to listen to music and i love um reading i'm learning i actually a beekeeper a new beekeeper so i'm learning about how to to keep bees and Hmm. um which is awesome for all the the plants we have Mm -hmm. um so, and I love, I, I love nature. I love to be outside and, you know, just, uh, you know, hiking or, or different things like that. So that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we usually like to end with, um, asking what sort of parting advice you would have for any young musicians that are listening. Yeah. Go for it. Um, yeah, I would just say dream big and go for stuff you know, you're never going to feel as ready as you think you need to be. So I think it's really important to to say yes. And, you know, be fearless with making mistakes. You know, we all make them and it's just, you just keep doing the best you can and, you know, listen a lot, record yourself. And I think the biggest thing is have fun and, you know, focus on living a great life and have you know, enjoy your life and you'll enjoy music. All right. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for today, for this entire interview. It's always, always great. Always great. And this one was great as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, Sean, take care. All right. You you guys too. Bye. Thanks. You too. Bye.